0: was sponsored by the Newman family. <coughs> Bunya Newman. What's her husband's name? Saul and Bunya Newman. And th- this is in honor of their daughter's birthday, which w- was today on Chaf Adar, Liba Malka, Baschaya Bunya. May she have a really good year. Only, only, only Wonderful, wonderful things. Much nachas from her and much bracha, neshnas bracha, natslacha. Thank you for that dedication. Tonight's class, tonight is the yard site of my grandmother, Khanat Sivya Basra And she was extraordinary in my life. Um, and this is very special to make the share in, honor, in, in her honor. And also, <coughs> tomorrow night on Chav Beyz is my other grandmother's yard site, whose name is R- Rivke Basrachl. That's interesting, two grandmas, back to back. Tonight is my father's mother, and tomorrow is my mother's mother. May both the Nishamas have a fantastic and very great Aliyah to the greatest of heights. And um, they should be here soon. That's what I'm waiting for Rezav Shashem So So Obviously The subject Is what's on everybody's mind um, Everybody is thinking The last Two weeks ago When we gave the class Last week was Purim So last week there was no class On Monday night Two weeks ago Or still before this I mean This has been going on For a few months already But The epidemic and the, 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 the panic and the, and the whole world looking like it's coming to an end is just a matter of the last couple of days. And being, being that I do address current events all the time, and a lot of people are turning to me and asking what's going on. People like to make sense when there's chaos. There's just a, a, a human, a human um, nature is that you wanna feel somewhat in control So if you have at least an explanation Even if you can't control it But if you have an explanation Rationally, logically You can kind of feel like you're a little bit in control So people are asking me I'm not a Navi I can't answer a question I'm humbled by this event And everybody should This is obviously God doing something I'm just thinking You know, when we read the Torah We read Parshas The Parshas You know, you read what happened to Mitzrayim? The era, Pashras, Bo, we read about the ten plagues. And you think about it, the whole, period, the whole thing of the ten plagues happened over a period of about nine months from when the plague started. And you wonder, how was it that God brought a, the superpower of the world down to its knees and devastated the entire country? And you wonder, what's well, When we believed it, and we read it like a fairy tale, like an old-time story. But to imagine that we are living through a biblical event. Literally. In the modern day that we're living that we're in right now, we're living through this vast, godly, biblical event. Biblical meaning it's, it's like the big stories that happen in the Bible, like a flood, like the plague of the firstborn. We're living through an, an event. And this time it's one singular event that seems to include all the ten plagues. It's, 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 it's crazy how the entire world was and is continuing to literally be suspended. And obviously, if you don't have any faith, uh, then there's a lot of reason to panic and get really scared. But if you have amunah and faith in God, then you know you're in the Abishner's hands. And this is not an epidemic. This is being individually guided by Hashem Himself. We call it an epidemic, but it's not like the God let the world spin out of control. The Eivishter is involved, like the Baal Shem Tov teaches that every little leaf that falls, the Baal Shem Tov teaches that there's un- specific divine providence on that leaf of how it will fall, when it will fall, how many times it will turn when it's falling, in which direction in the wind, and which side of the leaf will land, <clears throat> how long it will spend on the earth, on the ground before another wind picks it up, and and, and pushes it somewhere else. That's such a little minute detail. So the direction of this tiny little virus, this little bug that we can't even see. You need a powerful, powerful microscope probably to see it. So tiny. And it's wreaking havoc on the world, but it's not indiscriminately flying around. It's directed by God and we know that He's in control and He's doing something. The Abish is doing something and there isn't a shadow of a doubt that the Abish is doing something. And not only that, you know, by one of the makkas, the first two, it says the sorcerers of Egypt were able to, um, to do it as well. They were able to make the blood, the water turn into blood and they were able to make the frogs come out through sorcery magic, black magic, whatever they did, when it came to the third maka, which was the lice, they weren't able to. Why? Because the sorcerers don't have, with sorcery, you you don't have power, the Talmud says, on a a birya, on a creation that's smaller than a barley. If it's smaller than a barley, they had no power. Today we have more sophisticated sorcerers, we have scientists who... You know, they can control things much smaller than a barley. These are the modern day scientists. So the Abishta made it just a tiny bit smaller than they can control. Basically the world has been threatened. The big scientists who know everything, who tell you exactly the date that the big bang happened, (laughs) that everything started, who know like everything. And this thing is around already threatening the world, literally threatening the lives of billions of people and it's around for how many months and they haven't figured out how to stop it they have no control over this tiny little creature that God just pulled out of nowhere it reminds me of the story of of Titus when Titus was coming back after he destroyed the temple he was with his great arrogance walked into the Holy of Holies and took a dagger and he poked the parochas, that's the, that's the partition that separates between the holy and the holy of holies, and a miracle happened that blood came out. So he was convinced that God, that in his crafts, dense brain, he was convinced that he murdered the one above. He murdered the God of Israel, because he had blood dripping. And he was able to, obviously, he found evidence. He was able to destroy the temple and kill all the righteous, sadikim, all the saintly people. So when he was going home, on the ship carrying the prisoners and carrying many of the uh, vessels of the, of the holy temple with him back to Rome, a mighty storm broke out. And he knew, see, after, after he thought he killed, <laughs> you see how much they believe in the in lies? Because he already... He right away identified the storm as God coming to take revenge of him. You just bragged that you killed, (laughs) so why are you thinking right now? Just shows you how much people believe their own lies. So now he's suddenly saying, hey God, he gets scared, he panicked. So what does he say to God? He says, God, again, thank you, you got me. You got me on the water. (laughs) You're good at fighting your battles at sea. On dry land you have no strength. You drowned Pharaoh in the ocean, You, you know, you killed many at the water. So me too, you want to fight on the sea. Let me see, I'll come out on dry land. Let me see you fight me on dry land. Okay. So he continued. I think the sea subsided. And he came out the dry land. As he came out the dry land, a tiny, tiny little insect, tiny, a flea, but a small little one like you can't see, went into his nostril. And God said, I can't fight you. I don't have to fight you. The tiniest, one of the tiny little creatures that I have is going to take you down. Flew into his nose and started eating in his brain. Went, out, went through his nostrils, went up into his brain. And started feasting on his brain. It was giving him terrible, terrible migraines, horrible headaches. It could, you couldn't, couldn't live. And then the Talmud says how the only way it would subside is if someone was banging, because he one time walked by a a smith, and this blacksmith and the smith was banging, and the banging sound calmed the, the he suddenly felt relief. So the Talmud says that he, he would pay someone to bang. Imagine someone having to have a smith banging the whole day, because without banging, hacking in your head, you have no relief. So what he did was, for a non-Jewish smith, he would pay more. And he had a Jewish smith, he paid him less per hour he said you're enjoying the revenge but then he died uh, he died obviously a miserable death after his death they opened up his head it says it was the size of a little bird It literally ate up his entire brain so God works through tiny little things to observe and to watch Hashem take down Wall Street take down all the big shots now, I'm not saying I'm not happy about the situation. That's why I have been silent. on. I've not been speaking a lot about this because my Mashiach that I like talking about is one that's only full of good news and happy events. I'm not looking for catastrophic events and blaming it on Mashiach. And this is a, a negative thing. People are hurting both financially and, medic- and and in health. People are in pain. People are isolated. People are panicking and they're scared. I'm not happy about that. That's not a good thing. And and I don't want this, God forbid, to continue another second. And not just people and Jews, this is no good. But on the other hand, we can't deny that this is God doing this. Obviously, it is good. So what do we say with such an event? That is obviously, probably, this might go down as one of the top 10 events in human history in terms of its, of its climactic effects on the entire world. We don't know if in a week from now entire governments will collapse. Iran is at the verge of collapsing. I mean, the, the, the few good things we're seeing out of this is that it seems like some major bad people and governments are going to collapse. It wouldn't be a surprise, you know, what's going to happen in Iran. We don't know what might happen in China, even though China seems to be improving, at least they say they are. But we don't know what's, what's going to happen in China. We don't know. And there are some pretty um, dishonest and very deceptive governments and people that are not, governments that are not worthy for Mashiach life. And these governments might collapse and fall and very close. Other governments in the Ar- Arabic world, might just totally collapse. Uh, In Syria, they're denying no one is sick in Syria. I'm saying just lies. But we're dealing with probably in the thousands uh, because Iran has it so bad and they've been crossing over over there. So, obviously, this is one of the greatest events in terms of impacting the world, its geopolitical effect, its financial effect, And we don't know where this is going. So now, the question is, okay, so we stand in awe in front of God. But what does this event mean? I know what Hashem is doing it. And we see Hashem's control. So on the simplest of level, we know we can't rely on anything in life. Today's days, you can daven, and you can daven with so much more kavana, because all the other things that were distracting during davening, because you were relying on Mr. Wealthy Man, or Mr. this or Mr. that these people with their money and with their all they can't help you nothing you can rely on you can't rely on the government you can't rely on on the various different industries you can't uh, rely on on the markets you can't rely on everything you thought that you're controlling your monies and your things and they're safe we don't know we don't know what's going to happen with our bank account we don't know if money, if a dollar is going to be valuable in three days from now I don't want to chas and predict anything negative I'm just saying that the unknown, I'm just saying that the unknown, right now, there's nothing we can bank on. Literally. The world has come to a state where there's absolutely nothing we can bank on. If you're a Jew, or even if you're not a Jew, but if you believe in a God, in a supreme power, you know that the only one who's in control and the only one who's running things, only God. That's the only one you can put your, your trust in. But that's a great thing. Why is that a great thing? Because it's stupid and foolish to rely on anybody else or anything else to begin with because they never were in control over anything. It's only that till now, they made believe they were in control. It appeared, it appeared, it looked like there was some other power that was in control. So these were things that interfered in a person's davening. It was interfered in your deep connection with God because you had to struggle with believing in other things. But today, there's no more struggle. Today you can open a siddur and say, Thank you God for keeping me alive. And say it with all sincerity, because the doctor can't help you, the only one that can help you is the Eibishner. And so on, and and every single bracha. Parnassah is only going to come to you from God. Everything is going to come to you only from Hashem. Because we have zero control over anything in life. So that's a blessing, that's a good thing, in the middle of this darkness, in the middle of this chaos. But I think, obviously, there is more to this. I think we can't look at this event, we're, we're, we're very quick to forget. We live in, 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 in a very quick world. We see one event at a time. And when we go into a certain crisis, we become so consumed by that crisis as if we can't see anything else. Everybody remember two months ago when they killed Soleimani, like for two days, everybody was gripped that what is Iran going to do, we're waiting that the whole world is going to explode because Iran is going to take revenge of President Trump and of America and who knows what's going to happen. Terrorists are going to blow up Washington. Or I don't know, people were scared. Israel might be attacked. And everybody's mind was kind of like completely taken, not like the corona because it didn't impact everybody individually in the same way, but it did really capture our attention. And now we've totally forgotten about that. We're on to something else. So that's the nature of people. We get completely, we get into what is happening and we forget its connection. But it's important to connect and to see things in the wholesome plan. So when we take a look at the... History, and when we take a look at the period of time that we're in, and we're seeing it within the context of all the consecutive events that were taking place, which were abnormal to begin with in the last couple of years, then we see that the world is progressing. And what we do see is, I mentioned this. If you remember, I'm I'm not bragging about this in any way, because it's nothing to do with me, but this is a truth, and this is, but I'm just saying that remember that I told you this. Not because I knew, but I had a gut feeling that just based on the times we were in, I said this is what's going to happen. I told you before Rosh Hashanah, you remember the class I gave before Rosh Hashanah, you can go back to listening to it. I spoke about the year 5780, and I told you to put on your seatbelts, because this year the Geula process, the redemption process, is going to accelerate in an enormous speed. Much, and I mentioned we were on a, a roller coaster before, but watch it happening now. We're going to be moving into like the 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 the, the speed of events that is going to be world changing and so on and so forth. Is now I had no idea there's going to be a corona, and I had no idea that Soleimani is going to be killed, and I had no idea that these things are going to happen. But I just knew that uh, it's not me knowing. The Lubavitcher Rebbe said to us 30 years ago the time of the Redemption has arrived, and that's a prophecy. And I'm going to say that again. The Lubavitcher Rebbe said it's a prophecy. So if someone in today's world wants to contradict the Rebbe and think that he knows better than him, go ahead, do whatever you want. But I think today's days most Jews appreciate that the Lubavitcher Rebbe was a head and shoulders above Above the world and above, and if you look and you see his influence and his work and his Im- and the, the 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 continued work of saving the Jewish people and saving the world and and, and 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 inspiring observance of Torah and mitzvahs, basically saving the Jewish people in the 20th century and in the 21st, going into the 21st century, preparing the world for redemption, even non-Jews and so on and so forth. I don't think anybody would think that the Re- that the Lubavitch Rebbe intentionally was deceiving people. They realize. To say that the Rebbe was intentionally saying isa, chas Anybody knows that we're dealing with the person of MS Sheba MS, truth of truth, would chasfasholim not say anything other than absolute ms. So if the Rebbe said that the geulah that Moshiach, that, that he's prophesizing, that the time of redemption has arrived. So 30 years ago, as we got to 1990 and 1991, we entered into Moshiach zone. Now after that, certain things happened that were, looked the opposite, and as I mentioned in many classes, we saw a lot of things happening, seemed to be going the other way, but the ge'ula, the redemption, was set into motion. And as a result of that, uh, I knew, and I've been carrying this in my kishkes, in my innards for 30 years, at certain points, I almost lost it because it, it, the concealments and the darkness were so dark. But when you heard from a tzaddik amiti, from the real tzaddik, the person who's absolute emes, that he said something like that, I knew that this is going to, this is emes, and the ge'ulah is going to burst open. And Baruch Hashem, in in uh, five years ago, in fifty-seven seventy-five, I got a tremendous boost, boost cheba boost. I got such an incredible uh, excitement from a, a mimer from the Alter Rebbe that kind of suggested that in 5775 um, is the time after 1775 years, after the beginning of Elif Haravii is the time for the Shechina to go out of Galus. And I was talking about that a lot over here, and predicting that big things were going to happen, and I had a disappointment. But then I was telling you, let's give it another year, because it seems like those are the years of Galus, and then... The 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 is beginning to crack open. You'll let's see what's gonna happen in fifty-seven, seven, six. And the miracle happened then. That's when the world started changing. That's when in the the, the United States had a flip of government. It didn't it, it happened the next year, 2017, but the changes started in the year in the be, in, in in even before 2016, when this whole notion of how things were gonna change was set into motion. And we've seen Things that don't make any sense. How the world that was, literally in terms of its p- political pressure, was putting pressure on on Israel in an, in an, in a in a in a crushing, in in a crushing manner, in a way that was just unbearable. It reached a point that it was literally unbearable. And suddenly, when they thought that they were finally gonna completely throw Israel under the bus, they allowed them to pass resolution two, four, four what was it, something like that, I remember, 2443, I'm not exactly sure which resolution it was, but it was the resolution that, that all occupied, all, 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 uh, all um, territories are, are illegal, and a, flag, a flagrant um, violation of, of, it, it, of, of international law. This was literally a fight against God, this was a fight against Mashiach, and suddenly how the Ebershta threw a monkey wrench into the greatest political upset in all of history happened, the greatest political upset. Um, The current administration came in and event after event after event, and I'm not gonna go through this again, literally aligning himself, his government, and shattering and breaking the lies. I think the greatest uh, contribution that he made, and again, it it could have caused chaos in the United States, and and I'm gonna leave this to smarter people than me that can analyze this. But the benefit that it gave Israel is, un, in, in my little opinion, is is literally unmeasurable. The fact that he coined the phrase, fake news. Because people started stopped trusting the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN. And that was the source of this horrible, horrible, horrible war that wanted and continues to want to stop the geula. I'm not saying consciously, but subconsciously. Because it's... It literally, and by doing that, he discredited, in a huge way, the voice of the Klippa. He literally took a shmata, a cloth, and, and muted them, stuck it in their mouth, and they're gagging. They couldn't get their words out. And that is unbelievable. And after that, the announcement of Yerushalayim, the change of attitude towards settlements, the announcement of the Golan Heights, the... Uh, and more than everything, I can say more, each of these is just stunning, the breaking of the neck, of the breaking of the neck of the Iranian government and the Iranian anti-Semitic regime that was literally gonna wipe out that their plans were, and they weren't ashamed even to say it, that their plans were to wipe out Israel with with nuclear weapons, they didn't say with nuclear weapons, but They threatened to wipe out Israel when everybody knew their intentions and their plans. They were supported by all of Europe. They've been supported by the previous administration. And he took them and literally broke their back. He broke by first going out of of that, of that horrible deal, then by putting crushing, crushing sanctions on them. And after all of this, after all the sanctions, and after all of this, killing their mastermind, taking out their untouchable hero, their power who they relied on, that he would literally be untouchable, this wicked man, Soleimani, and with taking him out, this is incredible. And again, credit should be always be given to the one who did it, and we tilt our hands to the president, our head to the president, or our hats to the president, and we give him a big thank you, but the main thing is to realize that God threw a monkey wrench into the world. The Ebershter flipped the entire world over. Why? Because he gives man And who's really behind it? Mashiach Zedkenu. Mashiach Zedkenu himself is behind all these events. As I pointed out, how, the da- how the, all these dates, when all these events happen, all cor- correlate to powerful Jewish dates, and powerful dates on the Chabad calendar. And as the Rebbe said, that the time has come that Moshiach is beginning to fight the wars to, 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 to lead, to, 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 to bring about the weakening of the enemies of Israel, the enemies of Moshiach, the enemies of the, of, the, of the Messianic era. So that has to be destroyed, and we've seen it happen. In the middle of all this crisis, as we got close to this year, Again, this just got stronger and stronger and stronger over the last three years. So anybody can clearly see that, and as I mentioned other times, and it's not just him, it's not just one person, but major, major other powers in this world that were in conflict with Israel and ready to hurt Israel and, and also had a major flip over. All the Arab countries, the Gulf states, started making alliances with Israel, unheard of. And England, a major player in the European nations, and in a sense, someone who the European nations need to keep their economy strong. Brexit broke away, and Europe is at the verge of collapsing. They won't withstand. They won't. They won't withstand two things. They won't withstand their immigration. There is another millions of people running away from Syria now because it was fighting that restarted in Syria. Turkey is threatening to let out, to open its borders, and to allow. Millions of refugees into Europe. Europe was already collapsing under the weights of foreign of foreign um, people. Plus, with England going out, and I'm not even counting coronavirus. I mean, you see the weakening of a force, of a powerful force that was literally anti-Semitic, and really to hurt Israel. Poof, gone. And can this? We're talking about. I mean, we're talking about a few years. We're talking three years of a continuous God's work in the world to change and transform and lead the way to the Geulah. In the middle of all of this, what happens? Israel can't put together a government. I'm just repeating this. I know I've said this so many times. We cannot forget. the. We can't look at this individually. We have to see the entire package. Israel, for the last year, and by now it's already more than a year, does not have a stable government. They had three elections, and they're still exactly where they started. They don't have a government. So what does that mean Israel doesn't have a government? Isn't that a sign that there needs to be a fundamental government change in Israel? Why else would God do this, that they can't put together a government? They are at a stalemate. They're trying now, and giving guns. Eh, I don't think it's, it's possible that it's going to happen. Again, I'm not a novice, I can't say predict the future, but based on the narration that all this is Moshiach, it's not going to happen, it's going to collapse. It's not happening. Uh, The Prime Minister is indicted, they're ready to open up a trial on him, they just pushed it off, but chaos of chaos. But the other thing, on the other hand, Israel doesn't have a government, but its country itself is one of the safest in the world. Take a look. Even the coronavirus, they've Baruch Hashem, managed to control it better than anybody else. And those that are ill, Hashem should send them immediately. But way less, than, than, especially the countries in that area. I mean, how Israel was able to protect itself, I mean, it's not Israel protected itself. The Abishter is protecting. Hashem should continue to protect. Unbelievable. And their economy, and the best economies in the world, the GDP. That means the gross domestic product of Israel keeps on rising in incredible, incredible, incredible way. Much more, and and, and in Europe they're going down. Their GDP, that means the amount of money per person, per capita, per per, uh, person, is is now I think higher than France, um, higher than Germany, I'm not sure Germany, but I think so, higher than most European countries, evening up, and uh, getting, Probably closer, closer to the United States of America. Uh, Europe is falling. It's unbelievable to watch a little country. Everybody hated them. Everybody, and yet, powerful. Right? This is almost Mashiach. This is all Kulullah. But the problem is, this is not Mashiach yet. These are Simane These are all the world preparing itself for Mashiach. Mashiach itself is going to be a godly revelation, unproportioned. And I think. The Eberster is hinting to us, knocking, telling us that this might be happening tomorrow. Because here and after, and in the midst of all this crazy chaos, Hashem turns on the pressure, takes the entire world by surprise. Suddenly no one thought, and I think, if I can add one, these are just thoughts that are coming to my head, I didn't... um, um, you know, one of the one of the major things I think that's happening over here. Again, these are my. This is just speculation. Again, I'm not teaching you a parsha class tonight. I'm just trying to share my thoughts about what's going on. I know that um, Baruch Hashem, I've able to Hashem had given me the ability to be able to strengthen Jews amuna. So I'm just allowing the thoughts that are coming to me, which hopefully are coming to me from above, to 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 inspire. So one of the things that disappointed me was that the president somehow, I don't think he was the one who initiated this who came up with this but that he went along with an idea of taking parts of Israel and giving it to the Arabs and that is a no-no that is you don't start up with Eretz Yisrael I can say one thing the president was not put into office to do that now he might have a plan, I don't know he might have a plan that the Arabs are not going to accept it and then he's just going to tell Israel to take the whole thing even if he does have such a plan, the Lubavitcher Rebbe did not agree with that method. Because the Rebbe did not allow, and there's only one authority on that. And that is the authority of the Torah. And the Rebbe speaks the authority of the Torah. And he did not agree with even talking about the idea that to give away an inch. And the fact that Israel's government was ready, both Gans and Netanyahu, both met with the President, and accepted that they're going to go along with this. If our president had one X on his record, that was it. And it bothered me very deeply. And nothing to do with me. I just couldn't make peace with that. Like Everything else he was doing was so consistent with the Eibershah's plan. Obviously this too, Hashem is in control. So I want to say to the president... I love you very much and I admire you and I thank you for all you've done. But if you thought a month ago that this election is yours to win because you have the best economy in the world and you're just going to slide right in, all you need is continue making your big rallies across the country and have this Trump fever behind you, I think at this point you can think over again that nothing is secure. He's been faced suddenly with the biggest crisis any American president has ever been faced. Or it has to be from the top three. And no matter what he's going to do, he's going to be blamed. And Hashem should give him the wisdom, and the strength, and the clarity of mind to do the right thing. And hopefully he'll pull through, and hopefully, and I bless him, he should be reelected. But I do say to the president, if you're listening, if you get to hear ever, I don't know how, Hashem has His ways, or if some other person hears what I'm saying and can relay this message, And that is that you were made president of the United States to serve the United States but to help the Jewish people. And you've helped the Jewish people tremendously. But to think that you have ownership over God's home, God's private garden, that I'm telling you, you don't have any ownership on. And as long as you're doing what the Eberster wants, he's going to protect your presidency. The moment you stop playing games with his land, it's not secure. That's all I'm saying. So if there's any message that needs to come to the president, I think this is it. And I think we Jews need to speak up. I'm, I'm saying this on behalf of myself. I'm not saying this on behalf of the Jewish people. I'm not an authority for the Jewish people. But I'm saying it on behalf of myself. And if Jared Kushner listens to this message, I'm telling it, you know, you people were so sure that you have this powerful economy. And now what happened to the economy? The president announced today that it could be we're going to a recession. And it's totally not his fault but doesn't make a difference. The buck stops by the president. So if people are suffering, you never know. They're not gonna get anything better with Bernie or Biden, but, but, but the way people are, if they're frustrated and they're upset, uh, they can, you know, let's try some chaser shalom. So I'm just saying that the things that are happening in the world, believe me, they're. and I, I think he's a God, I believe that, you know, I'm not going into personal life, I'm not judging any human being, but I do believe, based on all his choices that he's made recently, that he's a God-fearing man. And he believes in God. Everybody's got issues. I'm just I trust, I trying to, to be a God-fearing man, and many times I fail. You know, I do things I shouldn't. I, I think things I shouldn't. I, I'll, 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 whatever, I'm not gonna go do a confession now, <laughs> on the mic. But I'm saying that, that, okay, so he's not the perfect person. But I do believe he's a person who believes in God, and he's a person who believes that his power is coming from God. And therefore, if you stand with Israel and you stand with the Jewish people, and standing with Israel doesn't mean—and I'm going to say this very clearly—standing with Israel does not mean trying to help Israel by 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 uh, figuring out how the Israelis can lose how Israel can lose half of its land. And I don't care if it's a demilitarized country, whatever it is. The entire land of Israel was promised by Abraham, and if there's anything to Abraham by God. To Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. To your children, I will give it. And if there's anything dear to God, it's that promise. As we're seeing. So, I would steer clear as the President of the United States from messing with the Holy Land. Now, another amazing thing that came out out of this corona, which is interesting, is that... Al-Aqsa have been shut down. That means that there's no services taking place on the mountaintop. Now do you know that the Haftaru the harabayat, that's the mosque they shut it down because of Corona. So there's no one there, it's empty, it's desolate. There's no one coming to pray, it's, the doors are locked. They're not coming to pray, they're afraid of the epidemic. So they shut it down, so it's, it's clear. What's so beautiful about that? In two weeks from now, in less than two weeks, it's going to be the first day of the month of Nisan. So the, in, in the Haftorah that we read this week, the Haftorah of Parshas HaChodesh, this week is going to be the Parsha of Parshas HaChodesh, we're going to read how God says to Yecheskel that the first day of business in the third temple is going to be the first day of the month. That's the day we're going to inaugurate. Just like the Mishkan was inaugurated on the first day of Nisan, so the third temple, on the first day of Nisan, is going to be inauguration. So you don't want it to smell from what was going on there. So you have like a 10-day, I don't know exactly how many days, 11, 12-day, 2-week uh, shutdown. So you have already time for the place to air out. I think it's unbelievable. The first thing, that place is empty. If you needed, till now we couldn't ever get them chased away from there. Now there's no one next to the mountaintop. It's clear. There's place for the Bees HaMikdash to come down. I think that's awesome. The other thing that I think is going on, and this is very important, is that this event, on a global scale, is basically a display, as you mentioned earlier, that the only one that's in control is God. Caught the attention of the entire world. Um, What exactly is going to be the consequences of it, I don't know. Um, I cannot say this with 100% certainty because I would have to be a prophet to do that and I'm not a prophet and and God did not speak to me and I don't have any hallucinations that God spoke to me I do believe sometimes that inspiration comes to everybody if you want and if you're hoping for from Hashem so I do believe that certain inspiration comes from God but I don't have any direct conversation I speak to Him I never heard God speaking back to me so um, I'm not a prophet um And so I can' tell you uh, this with absolute certainty, but I do not think for one moment that we are going to come out of this crisis and life will go back to normal. In other words, I don't see this, okay, let a few months pass. Maybe the, maybe maybe the economy will go down and. And you know, the, 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 hopefully, you know, it'll be the, the least chas Shalem death and people impacted by the, by the virus, and everybody will be healthy again, life will continue, and we go back to life. Um, if I would almost promise, but again, because I'm not a prophet, I will almost promise, that from this crisis, we're coming to Moshiach. This is not a crisis, that's just another, we're going to go back. I saw someone write, um, from a shul, and they were saying the shul is closing down. So they wrote that we feel very sorry that the shul is closing down, and we hope that as Hashem, the crisis will pass, and everybody will be able to come back to our beloved shul. Those was beautiful words, but I thought it totally, totally missed the mark. What you write is we hope this crisis very soon is going to pass, and we're going to be all together fly. To Eretz Yisrael. To, you know, by the way, another amazing thing, and I mentioned it on Chavez already, is that all the all the planes are available now. My son flew today. He says, "Ma," he's, he wrote on, uh, he sent on the chat. I never saw such an empty plane. He came from from Washington DC, empty, literally empty flights. The flights are empty, but hundreds hundreds of planes are grounded. Now, the moment Mashiach arrives, we're going to need lots of planes to fly the Jewish people. If all these planes are canceled, we have, we have thousands and thousands of planes available that don't have to go through rescheduling because everybody canceled flights for the next three months. So now in the month, we're now in the month. See, what, what excites me about all of this is the time that it happened. It happened in the month of Adar. It's going into the month of Nissan. Nisan is when... We're waiting for all the miracles to happen. And as I told you, the reason why I was so excited about this year is because this year is 5780. Eight is where all the miracles happen. Eight is the power of the Geula. This is the... And now we're coming to Nisan, which Nisan is the month of miracles. And this Shabbos is the Shabbos of the... This is the Shabbos of... The, for you, the Jewish people, I have miracles in store. You're not under nature. You're in a complete different system. I mean, and, and this whole crisis hits us in the month of Ador, Pompurim, going to Pesach, how is it that we might even think that this is depressing, or this is gulos or this is anything to do with any kind of darkness? I mean, it's dark because it's painful to see, to watch the, the worry and the concern, and the, this that's the darkness, and the people that sadly are not feeling well, and the people that are ill, and chas and the people that, that are in very not good condition, the people that died, that's really, really, really sad. So that's why it's not happy, but... The, the crisis itself, that something is going on of such monumental, of such world, uh, cosmic significance, is clear than the time that it's happening that this is messianic. And I didn't even want to say it's messianic, to me this is like seconds before the redemption. This is, I don't know. Um, I'll be very surprised <laughs> if it's not like I'm saying. I'll, I'll surprise if it's not like I'm saying. In other words, if you meet me in Chayyidish ER, and kind of the crisis fizzles off, and we will look at that, um, <laughs> definitely going to be devastated, that I can tell you. But I, I, this is this is this is this is clear. This is clear. We're mar- We're going to Mashiach. So what So what should we do? What should we do? It's nice to, to believe that we're going to Mashiach, so what should we do? I have one question. This is my question. And, this why, and maybe this is one of the reasons why I can't tell you what I told you earlier with 100% certainty. Here's my question. What I don't know, what my doubt is, and maybe anybody in the audience that's going to listen to this class is going to be able to... Um, is going to respond and give me maybe clarity in this. I don't know if this is another time of an opportunity that the Abishter is giving us to jump onto the bandwagon and, 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 and make Mashiach happen. And that's we're going to require, however, some degree of our efforts. Or no matter what, we're now we're now in the we're now in the um, how do you call it when water goes sh- Or let's put it, when we're, we're right now in the eye of the storm. And, um, and Moshiach is happening. The question is only for our own, so does that mean we go to sleep? No. The question is only then, if for our own benefit we got to get active, so that we're not embarrassed from Moshiach, and that we knew that we were active and we were in the last moments that the Ebrister is giving us a chance, we were active in the Geulah? So then it's more like personally for ourselves. So we're not caught in our PJs when Mashiach came. We are dressed for the Giyula. We've learned a lot of Torah. We've done a lot of mitzvahs. We've done a lot of prayer. And we've helped other people by giving other people a Or that's one possibility. Or the other possibility is, <coughs> but whether Mashiach is coming or not, is no matter what, it's happening and it's happening now. Or it's an opportunity that God is begging of us, giving us a big shake-up, that since this is such an auspicious year, and it's such a powerful time, if we rise to the occasion as Jews, and we cry out for Mashiach, we don't just pray for this crisis to pass. We take the opportunity to cry out, and we say, Abish, there, enough is enough. We want you, and we want Gaul and we want Mashiach now. So God is hoping that we're going to take that Opportunity and help him bring Moshiach. If, 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 if that's, if that's what's needed. So, so that's my question. Are we literally at the end, in a way that it's not even up to us anymore? It's just it's going to enhance ourselves if we take part of it, or, or maybe it's a blend of both. Maybe it's happening. No matter what, which I see, I, I think that's what I'm leaning to the most. Again, this is all speculation, but the way it seems to me, again, if my if my opinion is worth anything, is that the geulah. I mean, it's 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 hard to believe that something like this is not going to follow through all the way to the end. That's why that's why it's hard for me to believe that this. There's just a chance, and we missed it. Chas and We just missed an amazing opportunity, and we ended up with an epidemic, and a scare, and a financial crisis for no reason. So God forbid that, that should be that it should be that it should be like that. On the other hand, for it to be a situation where, but to say that we're off the hook and no matter what Mashiach is coming, I'm not comfortable with that either, either, because we always know that everything requires a on our end. So I think it's perhaps something like this. It's happening no matter what. It's happening no matter what. And now the question is. How quickly, and how easily, and how smoothly can we make this happen? The more we get involved, the more intense we become with Moshiach, the the smoother, the quicker, the easier it's going to be, the faster it's going to be, the more joyful it's going to be. Chas v'Shalom, if we're sleeping, we don't want to have to feel a greater squeeze. In other words, does it have to hit home? Or is it enough if it's happening around us at a distance to wake us up? It's like, sadly, you know, in certain communities, people were not careful. I, I am going to make a... a better, everything we're speaking about doesn't take away from the idea that we need to be crazy careful. We have a responsibility to ourselves, to others, others, to our families, to our communities. We need to be super, super careful. Um, so in different communities, they relax until it hit home. In other words, once they started hearing of people in the community, Jewish people, elder very sick, suddenly everybody got terrified. People took it seriously. So I pray and I hope that where it's standing right now is enough to catch the attention of all of us to realize that it's not business as usual. The time of the redemption has arrived. It's Erev Nisan. So what should we do? What could we do? What could we do? So what do we do? So what do we do right now to hasten the redemption? What happens if you went to sleep the last three nights and you woke up with a literally sweating from head to toe with a frightening dream and it reoccurred the last three nights. A person stood by your bedside with a bright shining face with a long white beard holding a cane sticking his finger out to you like this literally over your bed and talking to you and telling you that he's a lot Anavi, and he's coming to warn you that in a couple of days or in a month or in three whatever Mashiach is coming and it was such a real dream that you can't I mean you know when something is real and you woke up sweating but the fact that it happened one night is one thing it happened three nights in a row what would you do the next 30 days how would you wake up how would you daven how would you say brachas how would you care for other people how much potato chips would you eat (laughs) or maybe potato chips wouldn't be so important anymore you would realize that you have a couple of days left to prepare yourself to do what it needs to take what, what, what it takes that's exactly where we're standing right now we're standing at a point where it's for real for real it really is for real so everybody knows what they should be doing everybody knows you should daven much better we should and when you daven you feel like you're talking to God shut your phone and really daven learn Torah learn extra Torah kindness Avas great love to each other. Even from the distance, we can do all the good things. And the negative things that we shouldn't be doing, it's a good time to stop now. Not have to wait any longer. Because we want to at least, you know, have a couple of days. I mean, we want Mashiach to come today, but if it takes a few more days, a couple of days that we don't have the stain, we don't have the scars of our sins. But we've got to clean up our acts. Simple, what we call tshuva, the simple chuva. Beg Hashem for forgiveness, ask Hashem for this is this is it where we're we're we are at the end. But let me suggest some other things. And that is the prayer itself should be prayer for Mashiach. And as the Gemara, as the as the Talmud says, as the as the Talmud says, by Yochai says this, and it's in Rashi and in, in, in Hosea. Rashi brings it on the Pasuk which we say by Kiddush Levano, the Jewish people will seek out their God, and they'll seek out King David. So Rashi says, um, that in three things the Jewish people have rejected, the Jewish people have um, rejected, they have been disgusted by, or like they they... Scary term. They rejected Hashem, they rejected the of Hamikdash, and they rejected the kingdom of David. It's Reb Shimon Ba Yochai says, Reb Shimon Ben who is another Reb Shimon, says, madam The Jewish people will not see the good sign. What's the good sign? The Giyula, the redemption. Actually, until they were going to plead for these three things. They have to plead for God, God's kingship. They have to plead for the Beis Hamikdash, and they have to plead for Moshiach. That's what we should be doing now. We should, and maybe every day we should say one capital, one psalm of Tehillim about the, for the Beis Hamikdash. Literally, say Say it in English first, or in any language you speak. Hashem, I am davening f- to you for the restoration of the Holy Temple. And pray. There are certain, certain Kapitlech and Tehillim that deal with the Beis Amigdash. For instance, Ayin Tess uh, 79, deals with the Beis Amigdash. It's destruction and so on and so forth. And then there is the other ones that deal with uh, Yerushalayim, Habnuya. You know, you can find Kapitlech that deal with the beauty of the Holy Temple. So that's what we should uh, pray for. Every day, pray for it. Pray for Hashem to reveal His kingdom. We want God's kingship, kingship to be to be, to be to be, revealed. That means that God should be respected in the world. It's His world. He should be respected. Everywhere. That's number two. There should be just a recognition. They should throw out all the books and all the places where they deny God's existence. And they should recognize that there is God who created the world and be willing to obe- be obedient to what Hashem wants. To run their family life according to God's will and to run other major decisions, respect for life and other things, the way God wants. So we, we should have Hashem's kingdom. And there are many kapitel in Tehillim which begin with Hashem Malach, or deal with God's kingship. One of them is the kapitel that we say before Tkiah Shefer. I think it's 47. Powerful kapitel, Powerful um, 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 a psalm of Tehillim, 47, that deals with Hashem's kingship. And then... We should pray for Mashiach himself. For the restoration of the, of the one who was appointed by Hashem to represent God's kingship, to facilitate Hashem's kingdom in this world. When Mashiach is going to come through this individual, through this human being, we are going to behold God's presence. And his power is Hashem's power. And his throne is God's throne. So we're going to be looking at a human being, but he's he's going to be, he is nullified to Hashem. He's literally like a clear like a clear glass, in which the Eibershter is expressed in this world. Vayeshev <speaking in Hebrew> Shloima Hashem. HaMelech sits on God's throne. Mashiach is infinitely more transparent even than Shlomo HaMelech, and his projection of God's kingship is going to be to the fullest. We davening for Hashem's kingship to be funneled into Mashiach Tzidkenu, and that He should be this Gala, and be revealed in the world. For that, there are to tehillim that you can say, pray for it, plead to God. First of all, in Shemona Esri, when we say, the, 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 the sprouting of David Amelech, make it sprout quickly. And then, in tehillim, you have Khaf Aleph that talks about Mashiach needing life, Chayim is asking for life, Nasataloi, give him, give him life. There is the capital, uh, I think it's Ayan Bay's 72, where, where, where he's talking about Mashiach, that he will rule from sea to sea. That capital. You have later in Tehillim, um, where Hashem says, I think one of the 80s, where Hashem says, Peites, uh, 89. These are my favorite capitals. I, I love the ones that plead for Mashiach. I feel, I feel a special connection to them. So in these, in 89, the, it says how the Eberster made promises, the Eberster made a promise to David in I will never, ever, I will never, ever, Chas Sheshalim. Um, um, um lie to King David, be deceptive to King David I will keep my promise even if they will even if his descendants do not keep my my mitzvahs, even this I will never ever leave David and the, and then the, and then the and then the psalmist goes out and cries out, how is it that now the throne of David has been cast to the ground and so on and so forth. it's such a powerful capital. these are this is a capital that we should all say every day. we should cry out on these three things. I'm just giving a suggestion, I mean, you, you can just daven in English, or in any in Spanish, any language you speak, daven to Hashem for the restoration of these three things. Just take it even a step further. If you really wanna be in bullseye, if you wanna be in the inner center of center of center of those that are really making it happen, on the Pasuk of Vikshu Esa David Malcolm, where it says they will seek out Hashem and King David, their servant, the Pasik says, the Mitsuda Is David says that the Jewish people are are, are also gonna plead to Mashiach himself, to the to this descendant of King David, that he should be their melech. In other words, they're also going to make a coronation. That's the idea of a coronation. They're going to coronate Mashiach Sit And meaning they're gonna come to Mashiach and say, please be our melech. So that's one of the things the Jewish people need to do before Mashiach comes. They have to coronate their king. The last Avodah before Mashiach comes is the coronation of Melech HaMashiach. So now the question is um, I think that if God is speaking to us through the name of the virus, because a name is very powerful, the, the, the a virus that's known around the world is called the coronavirus. Corona means coronation. That's what it means. It means crown, and it means coronation. Mm-hmm. Now, this is not the first coronavirus. Th- this is, there's been many coronaviruses. SARS was a coronavirus. MERS was a coronavirus. But yet, all of those had different names. They were not called corona. This one, Bahash is called corona. Is it here? It's the most frightening word across the planet. This word is standing in front of everybody's eyes. It's standing and it's 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 scaring everybody. It's changing the lives of everybody. And what's the word? Coronation, 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 coronation. And if you don't know who to coronate, what's the coronation all about? Obviously, it's the coronation of God. For the whole world, it's the coronation of God. But it's the coronation of God's servant in this world. So the other name of the virus is COVID-19. 19... The number 19 is the number, I'm sorry, I'm going to be a tiny bit Kabbalistic, the number 19 is the number that represents Malchus, kingship. 19 is kingship. Why? Because we know that Adam and Chava represent the power of the divine, six divine emotions, Ze'er Anpin is Adam, and Chava is the seventh one. Chava is the seventh one. Because she's Malchus, Malchus is number seven. Malchus is feminine. Chava is Gematria 19. In the Yud K-Vav K, in the letters of the gods, in the Tetragrammaton, the Tetragrammaton is Gematria 26. But in full, with the hidden letters, it's Gematria 45. Because if you add the hidden letters, a Yud has a Yud Vav Dalet, a He has a He Aleph, a Vav has a Vav Aleph Vav, and the latter He has a He Aleph. It's one of the ways, according to Kabbalah, God's name is pronounced. It's not the only way, but it's one of the ways. Then it's Gematria 45, called Shema, the name of 45. If you take only the inside letters, not the outside letters, if you subtract from 45, 26, because you're taking out the outer layers, you're just leaving the inside layer, letters. What do you have? You have 19. That means the inside letters, which are the miloi, the filling letter, that's the malchus. Malchus is revelation. These are the letters that are hidden, but they are the letters that if you say the word, if you say a yud, it reveals the word. That's why it's related to malchus. Malchus is 19. Chava is 19. So now we have in the word Corona we have keser malchus, the crown to the king, but which king and which crown? The seventh crown. Uh, also seven. Malchus is the seventh sphere, so it's the crown of Malchus, keser Malchus. So if you still don't know who we're talking about, look at the word. Take out the word COVID nineteen and look at the word. Look at it. Look at the word COVID. It's just a tiny bit off of David. If I was to write David, I would read D-O-V-I-D. And this is C-O-V-I-D. And we know that there is a system in the Aleph Bays where you flip letters. So Aleph flips with Taf, Bays flips with Shin, Reish flips with Gimel, or Gimel flips with Reish, and Dalet and Kuf switch, at bash. So from COVID, now it's it's a virus, so it's a negative thing. So it's flipping, it's klipa. It's not all. It's not that's why it's a kuf. Kuf is klipa. But we flip it around, we get Dalit. David nineteen, Corona, the crown of Malchus of David, the crowning of 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 King David. That's Mashiach. That's the last event that needs to happen in history. The crowning of Melech HaMashiach, and the whole world is gripped with the fear. Of the negative side of Mahul Bitb, but any second the whole this this fear is gonna flip to awe of the powerful crown of Moshiach. Perhaps it's a reminder, the time has come for us to crown the Melech Mashiach. The question is: do we have a Mashiach to crown? Mashiach, as I mentioned in other classes, is has already identified himself and has already, um, has already said, and the Rebbe said it in 1990 and 1991, that Moshiach has already been anointed, and the only thing that has to be is the connection between the people and the Melch. So I think the time has come for not for us not to be ashamed, not to be embarrassed, not to be uncomfortable, but no, I believe, based on what it says, and I mentioned this, I'm not. I used to be uncomfortable saying it. I might still be a tiny bit uncomfortable, but I'm getting over it. I'm getting over it because I'm not impressed anymore with much of the world. I'm realizing that billionaires are not gonna help me. Rich people are not, my my faith is not in rich people who are gonna support me. Or this one, or that one, or this one's opinion, or that one's opinion. I know after, especially if I didn't know it yesterday, I know it a little more today, I'm in the hands of God. And I believe that we're holding at a time where truth has to be spoken. I don't believe the Rebbe would make up anything that's not true. I believe with 100% certainty, and if anybody that doesn't, um, that that wants to understand it better, there is a class online. I have it. I don't have it on my website, but I have it on on YouTube. You can look it up. It's called the Lubavitcher Rebbe Uncensored. So in that class, I spent about uh, three hours, and we went through all the talks, in which I kind of. Laid it out very clearly that in 1990, 1991, 1992, the Rebbe identified himself as Mashiach. The Rebbe said very clearly, and I, and I, and I, you can listen to that class. I've laid out the sikhs, not just me, just. And in 1991, 1992, we all believed so with absolute certainty. Um, I'm just going to say one one small little thing, right now. If you look in Rambam, if you look in Rambam. In the laws of Mashiach, the laws of Kings, chapter 11 and chapter 12, if you look in Rambam, but mainly chapter 11, the Rambam describes the qualifications of Mashiach. Uh, you know, everybody's talking, Mashiach, Mashiach is coming, Mashiach is coming, Mashiach is coming. And some rabbis who want to be a little, you know, I don't know, they want or whatever, say, oh, he's already here, he's in Israel. And he's there, but, 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 uh, yeah, okay, so where is he? So, we have a Rambam. The Rambam gives us signs. The Rambam tells us what are the signs of Mashiach. The signs the Rambam says about Mashiach is <coughs> that he, a descendant of King David will rise, Yamoid Melech, he will rise, and he will be a king. They will, they will rise a king from the descendants of King David. Isaac Betoira, he has to be someone who is diligent in Torah study. Kedavid David, like David his father. Uba uh, and and then he cares about the mitzvahs. And what does he do? and he and he compels the Jewish people, all the Jewish people, to keep Torah and mitzvahs. and he fights the wars of God. And then and then and then, and then he builds the beis amikdash. and he gathers the Jewish people. And and then he corrects the entire world to serve Hashem. So the Rambam gives very clear description of what Mashiach has to do. To summarize Maimonides in very short words, to summarize the Rambam, the Rambam, what the Rambam's novelty is that Mashiach is not a figure that appears on the scene after the G'ula. Like people thought, or at the time of the G'ula. At the time of the Geula, Yankee Doodle comes to town riding on a pony. Like Moshiach comes rolling into town after all the work was done. It doesn't, Rambam negates that. Yankee Doodle is not going to come riding into town after the work. Moshiach is the one who is present in the world before the Gaula and prepares the world for the redemption. What does Moshiach do to prepare the world for redemption? He himself is descendant of King David, who learns Torah diligently day and night. Who who has who's a king? Now, right away, people are going to say, "Okay, so there's no Mashiach." Wait, wait, wait! So hold on. And he affects the Jewish people to keep mitzvahs. Okay, he compels the Jewish people to keep mitzvahs. And what else does he do? He's um, Yaakov Kal. Uh, and uh, and eventually he fights the wars of God and Hashem Okay. So, uh, based on this description, we're all arguing and saying Mashiach is here, Mashiach is, here, Mashiach is coming, Mashiach is coming. If we're following the halachic process, if we are, which why shouldn't we? If we're following Rambam's process, how can anybody say Mashiach is here? Where is your person walking around with a crown? Who is who is Yamud Melech? Who's now riding on a big stallion horse with a bunch of other warriors with swords fighting wars? <laughs> Where? I mean, obviously, it has to be for the Jewish people in Israel, maybe. So, who's the king? It's not Bibi Netanyahu. Who's the king? So, he's hidden. He's a quiet Jew. An, so, then he has a lot of work to do before Mashiach comes. He's got at least 20, 30 years of work with the Jewish people. No. He has to get over, you got to get the Jewish people to keep Torah and mitzvahs. Right, and he's got to fight the wars of God. Find me the person. I want anybody to tell me who is the person who's a melech, who's 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 getting the Jewish people globally to keep Torah and mitzvahs and fighting Jewish wars. You have nobody. There's not one person in the world. Who is that person? You can point to me to. I don't know. From all the tzaddikim, from all, you have nobody. Except for one. Bottom line. Okay, I know he passed away 30 years ago. I'm not denying that. That's a problem. Maybe, maybe not. But does he fit the description? Well, he doesn't, he hasn't been wearing a crown. He's not a melech. The people didn't bow down to him. He didn't have servants walking in. What does it mean, a king? So, if you really <laughs> analyze it, this person who begins the process of preparing the Jewish people for the giyullah, that the Rambam says he will get up as a king, can't be a person who is really a king with the full-fledged halachic that he lives in a palace and he has the full context of a king. The Rambam can't mean that. Because in order to appoint the king, you have to have a navi, you have to have the Sanhedrin. <coughs> you have to have the Sanhedrin before Mashiach comes. You don't have the Sanhedrin. So how are you appointing a king? But yet the Rambam says they will get up a king, Yamid Melech. So you have to say, you're not dealing with someone who is literally a king, someone who exhibits. Characteristics of a king. So, I'm not interested over here in silly arguments, chas v'shalom. I'm just interested in saying the truth. Which leader amongst the Jewish people in the last hundred years exhibited royal powers? What I mean is that it had an army of people that were willing to lay their lives on the line and do whatever he said, like a literally like a king and his subjects. This Rosh Hashiva has a lot of good students. I'm, I'm not meant to here to put things, put people down. This great rabbi, this great Chacham has a lot of followers. Show me the people that have altered their entire lives and have devoted their entire life and done uncomfortable things with their life in service of their rabbi. Let's go across. Did Lakewood produce that? Yeah, Lakewood produced a situation where people are inspired to learn Torah. Everybody, every Jew wants to learn Torah. Okay fact that people sit and learn Torah all day. Lifestyle, good. It was inspired by Rav Cutler. Okay, I get that. But did he have that power of a king over his subjects? Is it in which? In which Hasidic community? People come to a Rebbe, they ask for blessings. I know only one. The Rebbe has an army of Kanainahara today over 10,000 families across the world that are on a mission forever. Not forever, until Mashiach comes. They've uprooted themselves from their families, gone across the world, and the way they do it is with simple obedience. And they could build a place up for 30 years, and if at a drop of a hat the Rebbe would say, tomorrow you're leaving Morocco and you're going to Algeria, there they go. No one had that. No one had, that's the truth. No one had, and that's why people make fun of Lubavitch. Rebbe, 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 yeah. The obedience, and if you ever walked into 770, and you watched the regality of the Rebbe, and his, the, the relationship of the people to him, and this complete battle and surrender of, of thousands and thousands of people, anybody who came into the city, can see royalty can see kingship, a real kingship, not a dictatorship, can see thousands of people submit themselves to some somebody with pleasure, with delight, and their entire life is to give a, 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 a satisfaction to him. So much so that this exists 30 years already it's not, it's not 30 years it's less than 30 years I'm sorry I mentioned that it was 25 20, now it's 20, 25 and a half years but 25 call well, it 26 years coming same reverence same the shluchim no one left their post everybody is still living some of them in very uncomfortable situations <coughs> and thousands more joined the army this is kingship now let's take it to the next step Someone who's Hogeba Torah that you have a lot of tzaddikim who study Torah. But the Reb is the one who's a grandson of David Melech and his entire life, while he's busy running the entire world, published, published hundreds and hundreds of books in every subject of Torah. Simple Torah, pshat, remes, drush, said, halacha, Kabbalah, Chassidus. There isn't an area in Judaism and in Torah that the Rebbe was not an expert in, and a genius in, and an innovator in, in an unbelievable, it's like... I'm not making the claim he was the biggest Talmud Chacham ever to live. I'm not saying that. It's the combination. I don't know, I haven't measured. It's the combination of being a king, running an operation reaching out globally to the entire world, having the entire world on his shoulders, people turning to him from all across the world for advice in every area, not just in Torah, but in every area, and at the same time, not a wasted moment where it's not Torah study, unless he's busy with the Tzarek with the needs of the people, Torah study, non-stop Torah study. Now, the Yaakov kol Yisrael, he will... He will um, compel all the Jewish people. So you can picture Moshiach now in one of two ways. I let you make the choice. Compelling the Jewish people means that he has a baton, a stick, like a policeman's stick, and he runs around the people, picks them up by the chin, and tells them, you better keep a mitzvah, or else you're losing your front three teeth. I give you the option of thinking that. Or if he doesn't do it himself, he's got like, uh, like uh, in Venezuela, they have the killing police. So he's got a squad of such soldiers who run around with batons and sticks like that and beat people, to God forbid, to a pulp if they don't keep Shabbos or if they don't keep mitzvahs. I let you imagine Mashiach being such a person. If that's what you think Ramba means, or when he says compelling, he means... Compelling with a smile, with love, with an infinite love, Jews to do mitzvahs. I ask my fellow audience, which Jew is responsible for the most mitzvahs done in the world? And be honest. Which Jew is responsible for the most mitzvahs done in the world? The only one who set up a system of what we call mitzvah chasers who hunt and chase and nag and hound and make Jews nuts across the world for the last 60 years or 70 years is the Rebbe. Does anybody have... the, The number is an astronomical number how many mitzvahs were done because of the Rebbe. The last Jew who was responsible for this amount of mitzvahs, I'm comfortable to say was Moshe Rabbeinu. Because he, he gave us the mitzvahs. Other than that, a single person racking up mitzvah observance, he has every young boy and girl running around on Fridays to every shop, getting people to put on tefillin. Get, okay, so not old. all. The, the rabban can't mean That all Jews are going to be shown and Mitzvahs, and keep all 613. That can't happen before Mashiach comes. There's clear prophecies that state that the Jewish people are going to do tshuva after they come back. I think it was in this past Haftori even that we read Pasha's pura. We're going to do tshuva after, not before. So it can't be that all the Jewish people are going to keep all the mitzvahs before Mashiach comes it means that he sets into motion a system that's reaching to Jews and helping them do tshuva and helping them not do tshuva do mitzvahs only the Rebbe fighting the wars of God what does that mean? are we talking about a general in the Israeli army? What does it mean a person who's going to fight the wars of God? <coughs> does it mean physical battles? Can't be. Number one. Rambam, we know that the... Uh, this is in this week's Torah. Everything is in the Torah. Parshas Pekudeh. We're not going to read the Torah because we're reading Parshas Achodesh. But if you look in Parshas Pekudeh Torah, you know what it says? Hashem told David Amelech. You're not going to build my temple because you spilled a lot of blood. So Davod HaMelech was disqualified to build the first base of Mikdash because he spilled blood. And the first base of Mikdash is supposed to be a place for peace. Supposed to be. If that's true about the first temple, how about the third temple which is supposed to be everlasting peace forever? A person who has bloody hands can't build it. How does the Rambam say that Mashiach builds the base of if a minute before that the Rambam says that Mashiach fights the wars of God? Does that mean that Mashiach has bloody hands? The answer is Mashiach is not fighting physical wars, he is fighting spiritual battles. Another thing, Ramosha Feinstein and Chuvis Igris Moshe, the greatest. Hal- modern-day halachic authority, after the war. Ramosha Feinstein says <coughs> in a tshuva, and I don't know now where it is, and I never saw the tshuva. I, I, maybe I did see it once. Um, I do want to look it up. If anybody listening to this class knows where it is, please send it to me, but I know it exists. And he says that Yilcham Hashem does not mean physical battles, means spiritual battles. So there you go, I don't need more than that. There were a lot of great Jewish leaders that do a lot of great things. This one inspired kol and learning, and this one was a great opened up chesed organizations, and this one this. But the Lubavitcher Rebbe, in addition, in addition to um, all the good and inspiro- inspiring mifzah campaigns and reaching Jews across the world, which would make him a very, very nice, loving leader who loves, like a shepherd who cares about every single one, was a powerful, powerful warrior and a fighter. If you read and watch the Rebbe's Fabrangians and if you read about his life, what the Rebbe fought for, and the Rebbe fought, and he wasn't afraid of a single person in the world, and he, and he fought for what? For various different threats that are threatening the well-being of the Jewish people, or the Torah, or of Eretz Yisrael. So what were the rebbe's wars? The rebbe fought that they shouldn't give back an inch of Eretz Yisrael. Not back. I'm sorry, taking the word back. I'm taking back the back. It was never theirs. That we Chas should not give an inch of the land of Israel to anybody. To anybody. It's our land given to us by God. While other great rabbis, even though today everybody sees that when they gave Gaza and when they gave when they ever they spoke about giving land. It ended up as the worst catastrophes. We didn't gain anything. We didn't get peace at all. What we got was horrible bloodshed. Today, everybody sees that that was a very big mistake. But throughout the years, many great scholars and rabbis did think that that was maybe a good idea to try. When the rebbe fought and fought and fought and never gave up on that fight. And the rebbe influenced governments. The rebbe actually said that he himself was going to stop. He's going to topple Shamir. And he toppled Shamir. That means the Rebbe actually had a hands-on fight if he's going to talk about giving back land. Yochum Muhammad Hashem, fighting the wars of God. What does a king have to fight? For the protection of the land. And the Rebbe qualified. He fought that war like no one else. What else? The Rebbe fought for the preservation of his people. Do you know there were times that they were threatening to allow now again Conversions that are not halachic, which would allow God forbid, many many Jew, many non-Jews to blend into the Jewish people and break the boundary between the Jewish people and the and the Gentile world, which is the most horrible thing possible. Who fought for it? Against even all the religious rabbis, the Rebbe fought like fought that battle, and everybody knows the stuff is recorded. Me Yehudi, the Rabbi Rebbe almost got sick from aggravation of how callous and, 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 and sometimes indifferent, even people that you would expect, who should care for money and for different things and not wanting to upset anybody, we're not, we're not strong. The pain, the pain, I was reading the other day, in one of the Fabrenians, the Rebbe's pouring out of his broken heart, he's crying, he's literally, of how much pain he has, from this chas that that, that, that that such a catastrophe the Jewish people are gonna. Yochem, um, Yochem Mohammed Hashem Mi Yehudi. What else did the Rebbe fight for? Shleim was a Torah. If God forbid they wanted to mess with a tiny little thing in Torah, the Rebbe fought that they should, for, for Shmira Shabbos, the ships. That, 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 that Israel that should not have, we shouldn't, God forbid, uh, the, the people with Mechal Shabbos by through, through, through ships. So the Rebbe fought for that. I mean, talking about his whole life of his leadership, there was always a voice, a powerful voice, that fought and fought and fought. And many things, he won the battle. So when I turn around and I say, who fits the description? of Rambam. It's only the Rebbe. So now what, what do we stay with? We have a problem. What's the problem? problem is that it seems like he stopped the middle of his work. Because in 1994, the Rebbe passed away. So that becomes the biggest obstacle. How can he still be Mashiach? Especially the whole idea of someone passing away and then that Mashiach coming from those who passed away, is, is something that scares Jew- Jews a lot, because it reminds people of another Mashiach that is supposed to come back. by. So that's why Jews don't go with this. It's something that's... And that's what I think has become the greatest obstacle for this very powerful Amunah that was very strong, and then it becomes a challenge, and it's a, it's a good challenge. I think it's a very good challenge. We don't like that, where we get annoyed by that. The question is, does that disqualify this person by the standards of the Rambam? Let's first look at Rambam. Before we look at anything else, I can give you a midrashim that says Mashiach will come after an interruption, will disappear or pass away and then come back. But I don't want to go there. We're sticking to Rambam. The Rambam says clearly that if the law hits if Mashiach did not complete the job, that means he didn't build the base amigdash. So then, he's not, then he was maybe assumed to be Mashiach, but he's not the for sure Mashiach. So it seems like when that happened, the rebel loses that status. Or the Rambam says, vineherag, and if he was killed. So we know he could be a very special tzaddik, but he's not the Mashiach. So that seems to, to make a problem. So I'm just going to say this briefly. Two things. We can't just read things fast. We have to pay attention. Rambam says two disqualifiers. One is if he wasn't matsliach, If he wasn't successful. That means he didn't get to building the Beis HaMikdash. Or if he was killed. So let's start. So people say, well, he killed if he died. Rambam doesn't say if he died. Rambam says if he was killed. Now, if Rambam wants you to believe that someone who passes away immediately is disqualified, someone who shows all the signs of Mashiach, someone who shows all the signs of Mashiach and then passes away cannot be Mashiach. Then the Rambam, who is very concise with his words, would write, the meis, and if he died. Because death includes being killed, as well. But being killed does not, is an exclusive way of dying. Killed is an exclusive way of dying. Di- dying includes being killed as well. If the Rambam wanted to make a statement that someone who passes away cannot be Mashiach, then Rambam should have said, V'im, mace." you know it's not him. Finished. Rambam doesn't say that. Rambam says in Meherak, Why? So could be. I don't know the reason why the Rambam didn't say, but could be. What's the difference of being killed and dying? Just going to keep you another two minutes. Killed means he was defeated. His enemies killed him. Mashiach is never defeated. If he's defeated, he's not Mashiach. He lost. Mashiach is not defeated. I know people have a, a, a concept of Mashiach ben Yosef dying. People have such a concept. Mashiach ben Yosef based on Medrish. But Ramam is not talking about Mashiach ben Yosef. Ramam is talking about Mashiach ben David. Mashiach ben David is not killed in battle. So what? Mashiach ben Yosef is not killed in battle. Sorry, Mashiach ben David is not killed. So if he's killed, he's defeated. If he's defeated, he can't be Mashiach. But if he died, he wasn't defeated. Hold it. But you say, but he, but he wasn't successful. Because he spoke the success is that, Rambam says, six, if he was killed. So the question is, what happened when the Rebbe, by Gimel Tamas, when the Rebbe, people predicted that Chabad would kind of fizzle out. Because it wouldn't be a leader. Everybody knew that Lababich is not going to appoint another leader. So people all predicted that Chabad, and all of its monumental global work, will die out. And the truth is, that it didn't die out. And not only that, Chabad, you watch every year the gathering of the shluchim and it gets stronger and stronger and it's growing and it's exploding and its network is stronger. It's unbelievable. It, it, I think, quadrupled or or at least tripled, I think. I don't remember exactly the numbers in terms of the emissaries and how many went out since 25 years ago. So the work. And when the people are doing their work, everybody knows in Lubavitch, that all shluchim are doing their work on behalf of the Rebbe. Every shliach says, it's not me, it's the Rebbe's power. That means that he's still doing the work. I mean, it's shliach. No, there, there was no break. In other words, the work that he was doing to prepare the Jewish people for the redemption has not stopped, has not ceased. is continuing and only getting stronger. So the only problem we have is that he didn't finish the last, the last thing yet. Should we accept such a possibility that Mashiach, in the middle of his work, even if he's not? I know he's kosher as a Mashiach. He doesn't, he, you can't X him, you can't disqualify him based on, the, based on what I just told you, the fact that he's not, he is not physically visible to us in the last 20, 26 years. You can't disqualify him based on that but is there any evidence that something like that is expected to happen? So on that, we've discussed in the past that there is a lot of evidence and a lot of sources that the is revealed, he's concealed, and he's revealed again. So it says in Medrash, and so the Sfas Emma says in Masech das Rosh is most likely to happen. He comes, he reveals himself, and if anybody is honest and real, and doesn't want to go into the hysteria that some people make. Oh, Christianity—that's absolute stupidity. It has nothing to do with Christianity. Christianity is not disqualified. Uh, their Mashiach is not disqualified because because he's because he passed away. That's not what disqualified him. What disqualified him is that he had no business being Mashiach in the first place. He didn't do anything that Mashiach needs to do. Mashiach is supposed to strengthen the observance of Torah and mitzvahs, and he wreaked havoc on that, and he wreaked havoc on the Jewish people. So, that's why he's not. Nothing to do with his passing away. The fact, and just because Christians say something, doesn't mean that we decide Torah, that we can't say... And if the Christians are going to start keeping Shabbos, we're going to say, oh, we can't keep Shabbos because Christians keep Shabbos? What does that have to do with that? Their whole concept of Mashiach is taken from Judaism. So the fact that they have, so that's why that argument is just a superficial, it's not an argument based on any, anything valid, the argument that Christians say that. So it's just a method and a tactic from the Klippa, from the unholy, to literally intimidate Jews from something very holy and probably the most godliest thing ever since the world was created, is this connection and this amuna. So let me conclude. Um, in so many sources, it says clearly that Mashiach is present, is concealed for a period of time, and then he's revealed again. So therefore I say like this. I say like this. Um, if you're not going to follow the Rambam, or if you're going to follow the Rambam, a halachic halachic authority for Moshiach, any other candidate in the world, it's a greater leap of faith. It's a greater craziness, meaning it's more illogical for anybody else, any person alive today. Let's not talk about people. It's more illogical for someone alive today Someone hiding in a closet in Israel that three rabbis know, Ooh, yeah, there is Mashiach. He's hiding, he already showed up to the rally, like I saw people say. He was there, maybe spiritually. He was there, he's coming out, he's already identified, he's hiding. Because, I'll tell you why, because for that Mashiach to be Moshiach, the one that's hiding in the closet, it's more unlikely, because the work that he's got to do, which is what? He's got to build a network of reaching to all the Jewish people. Where's his network? How is he going to reign in? Who are... You're talking at least 30 years of work. He's going to have to send out emissaries. He's going to have to reach Jews across the whole world. He's going to have to reach every community in the world. So who's coming? Okay, Lubavitch? Nah, you guys weren't good. We're sending now the new... This is the new, I don't know, I'm just going to pick any group. This is the new Sephardic group that's getting out there across the whole world. We are now going to start our new shoals everywhere to reach all the non-religious. Or this is the new Breslov group. Or this is the new... I'm, I'm saying it's a silly argument, but I'm saying there is no one else. To, in other words, in order to fulfill the criteria of Mashiach, you need much more miracles to happen unless you believe that Mashiach is coming in 50 years. See, and I'm not arguing. If you have a 50-year time period and you can have a new leader who's a young kid in Eretz Yisroh or in America, I don't know where he is, who's going to start being a charismatic leader. not he's going to start where the Lubavitcher Rebbe started 50 years ago. Build a network and go across the whole world and inspire Jews to keep mitzvahs and all this and then no, now we're going to have the second candidate because the first one didn't finish. The second candidate. It's absurd, it's not happening. But what I am saying is we have already the person that, fixed, that, 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 that has all the qualifications and that person said, and don't look at me like I'm, I'm making this up. That person said it clearly, he didn't say, he, he? Stopped short from saying the words "I am Moshiach," but he said Moshiach is already appointed, and that his house is called seven seventy, and, and seven seventy is based Moshiach, and and and, 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 he, and he's and he's a combination of three generations, hinted to in the word "miyad," which "miyad" stands for the Russia Tevis the mem of the word miyad, miyad means immediately, the mem of the word miyad stands for Mashiach, and in parentheses he writes Menachem, and the generation before that is Yud, which is Yosef Yitzchak, and the generation before that is Dalid, which is Dovber. Ah, so he's talking about him, or someone called Menachem, whose previous rebbe before him, the previous leader was called Yosef Yitzchak, and the one before that is called Daiv bear And he says, and that's, that's Mashiach. And then he says that on Yud Aleph Nisan, the day of the Rebbe's birthday, that's the day that there should be the anointment that the Abishta will anoint Melech HaMashiach, the day of the... You know, that's what he says in one of the Sichas that I just saw last week. And he goes on and on, sicha after sicha, talk after talk. And he allowed the Chasidim to sing it in front of him. That, and to coronate him. So I believe... If anybody is honest, straight, and willing to accept and learn and go through all of this, I, I did, gave classes about it. I believe the time of coronation has arrived. Those that are faint-hearted and, and afraid, because you're afraid of what other people will think of you, because it's not okay. Don't you don't have to do this. But those that are a little brave and feel that they can trust the tzaddik and trust the rebbe, I believe that time has come for. Corona, COVID-19, the time not to be afraid, the time to coronate the Melech, has arrived. Melech HaMashiach will reveal himself, momentarily, for the entire world to see. Shem should help, we should have this chus, to be part of it. And we will see the Geulah Shalema, And uh, it's going to be incredible, for the entire world. That's what's going to come out of Corona. The coronation of Melech HaMashiach. I wish and I hope that other rabbis, and I know there are thousands of rabbis around the world that have the same views like I have, but are uncomfortable in voicing them because it might not be popular. I hope and I pray that you get a little guts and you know what's really important, to find favor in the eyes of God, not to find favor in the eyes of Whatever, because no one has any power over your life anyways. And Zahuza, like we call, come out of the closet and make the proclamation. I am comfortable to be a part of those who coronate Melech HaMashiach. And yes, I mean the Lubavitcher Rebbe as Melech HaMashiach. Melech Piyofioy Tachzena Eneinu, as I mentioned earlier, the Rebbe said it, to me he's the only candidate. May we see his revelation for the entire world now, the cut of Mamish, Mamish, and Mamish. <laughs>